Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 213, Assessing Victims of the Family Feud. So I grew up watching the TV show, The Family Feud, and I'm sure that tells my age, but I have a feeling that at least a good portion of the people who are listening to the sound of my voice You've watched an episode or two or three of Family Feud. Plus, it's my understanding that it's been back out again with different hosts, of course. But, you know, it's fun to see it on TV. And it's not real feuding. Like, it's two families that are playing against each other for prizes and they're answering questions. And then... You know, as time went on in the TV circuit, we saw real family feuds where we saw talk shows where you would bring family members onto the set and they would air every bit of their dirty laundry on national TV for someone to pay them money. And we all know, because we weren't born yesterday, that they often aired dirty laundry that wasn't even dirty laundry. They just flat lied. Like, they were playing it up for TV. And then enter the world of social media. Now, I spend plenty of time on social media each day. I am a social media manager, as well as just working with my own brand when it comes to social media. So I am not downing social media as a whole, but it's all about how it's used, whether it's used as a good and godly tool or it's used as a hatchet. Now, I have a very nice family of origin, for which I am very grateful. And so I don't experience the craziness that I hear others talk about when literally family feud stuff goes out all through Facebook or TikTok or whatever platform you may use. And the things that people say and the things that people do, like, it's just out of control. But it's been out of control. Like, think about it. We had a family feud in the very first family. Cain killed Abel. Like, we've been family feuding since almost day one. And we all know that you're not going to get along with your family members 365 24-7. If you do, somebody's not telling the truth. You're going to have disagreements, and disagreements are okay. I'm reading right now through the book of Acts and looking at the struggle between Paul and Barnabas, two godly men, two godly servants, but they disagreed about whether they should bring John Mark with them on the second missionary journey. And Paul is absolutely not 
and tenderhearted the encourager Barnabas is like, no, we're going to take him along. And Paul just decided there's no way. So then they split ways. You know, even in church families, we can disagree. You're not going to agree on everything. But I want to tease your mind today by using 2 Samuel 18, 1 through 18, story of Absalom and David and the family feud that we've been going through for the last few weeks. But I, I want you to really think about the victims of a family feud. Now, I've taught this set of scriptures before. And sometimes when I teach a set of scriptures, God shows me something different. He showed me the exact same thing when I read through 2 Samuel 18. Because it hurts my heart every time I read this passage. Because there was senseless carnage because David and his son did not get along. David, King David, golden era of Israel. But as king, he did a masterful job. As dad and as husband to way too many wives, he didn't. And we've seen over and over and over again how his lack of management of the family creates friction, creates destruction. But today we see the carnage that's left behind because he and his own son could not get along. And not only did they not get along, but it was a blistering fire which destroyed many, many lives and families. And as we think about this, I want you to think about your own family. Now, your family may be your family of origin. It may be the family you married into. It may be the family that God has gifted you with, that you've been able to create. It may be your church family that you consider family. It might even be a work family. But whoever it is that you consider family, I ask you for our weekly assignment feature, are you or someone you love currently in a family, quote, family feud? I ask you to pray for a godly resolution. And I didn't put it as part of the feature, but I want you to not only pray, but work toward a godly resolution. Because the thing is, Absalom and David did not have to be on the same page. Absalom obviously did not have a relationship with God, and he was a prodigal. Absolutely. And David could not control him. But they allowed their family feud 
to go way beyond two grown men having a verbal argument to the destroying of so many lives. And it's not just this biblical account. How many times have two or more family members fighting, whether it be in a church, whether it be in a family unit, where their back and forth has destroyed lives, sometimes physically, sometimes literally has destroyed lives by murder. And it was because one person thought the other person thought and on and on and on and on and on. Just uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, walked into a situation and uh, I had no idea that this, this family had issues, had, had no idea. And I walk in and I find out that, oh, well, the mild-mannered person that I had met, there was all sorts of friction in this family unit, which included a gun. You just never know. You never know. And the, the person that I had met, uh, he was mortified. He was mortified at how his family had acted, and thankfully nobody was physically harmed more than just an initial skirmish, but they could have been. We need to think. We need to think before we speak. We need to think before we put something on social media. We need to think. We need to act in a godly way. Ephesians 4.32 it's the only extra verse that I pulled up for this particular podcast lesson because if we could follow this, what a difference would it make in the whole idea of a family feud? And we surely wouldn't have anywhere near the casualties. Ephesians 4.32 Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How would that have changed Absalom and David's lives? And how would it have saved the lives of so many? So let me read through this very interesting story of the ending of the struggle between Absalom and David. David was king of Israel. Absalom plotted for years to try to take the kingdom from David. And as a result, David mournfully leaves Jerusalem, handing the kingdom over to Absalom because he's convinced that everyone has turned against him and Absalom is going to be the king and, and everybody loves Absalom, which was not the case. So there were misconceptions in the midst of this. But as we see in this battle that goes on, it's obvious that David was under a false impression to begin with because, again, he was told that everyone had turned their, their back on him and everyone was following Absalom. And that started this. And how do family feuds usually start? 
they usually start over some sort of lie or miscommunication. And that's exactly what we had here. Here we go. So 2 Samuel 18, David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruiah, and one under Idiai, the man from Gath. Idiai, excuse me. The king told his troops, I'm going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be only they will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Idiot. For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And that's really important for uh, next week, uh, especially when we talk next week. So, and all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the force than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule. But as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver. The man replied to Joab, we all heard the king say to you and to Abishai and to Idiot, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son and the king would certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it. And all Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's Monument to this day. Is that not one pitifully sad story? Like, it's pitifully sad for a whole lot of reasons. But it just, it hurts. It hurts to read a story like that and see that 20,000 men laid down their lives because David and his son Absalom had a family feud. And not only is that 20,000 men laid down their lives, but 
you got to realize culturally, more than likely, almost all of them were married and probably had children. So you have 20,000 very possibly widows and orphans as a result of a family feud. And then you've got Absalom. You've got Absalom. You've got confused Absalom. You've got Absalom that because he doesn't have a son, he created a monument to himself. And he dies in such an awful way. And I still, we we talked last week about suicide and Ahithophel. Ahithophel being an advisor of King David who was a scoundrel, no doubt about it. And then he advises Absalom, and I still believe with all my heart that he was, if not the the main reason, he had to be one of the top five reasons that Absalom did what he did in David's court. Absalom obviously stands accountable for a lot of these casualties. So does Ahithophel. Because... You know, it may not be your family that's having friction. It may be your friend's family that's having friction. But you have the opportunity to either be a person of peace and give advice that will help to calm the waters and bring people to a godly resolution or at least bring those that are willing to a godly resolution. Ahithophel was doing the exact opposite. He was stirring the pot. And as as we look at this just horrible story, does it does it cause you to think? Does it cause you to think about the relationships that you have, the ones you consider family? Because like for me, I I have a family of origin and I thank God for my family of origin. But I have a family of choice that matters so much to me. And I'm responsible to God for each of those relationships and how I handle myself in those relationships. Am I walking in a godly manner? Am I talking in a godly manner? Am I praying? For them. How are you in the family units? Are you a person of peace? Are you an ambassador of Christ? Are you a person that they they experience the aroma of Christ when you walk into a room? Or does it stink? Because of your smelly attitude. Your griping and complaining, your jealousy of your brother, of your sister, of your cousin. I'm talking plain because this is one of those topics that burns me. And reading today's scripture and seeing the 20 plus thousand lives that were totally destroyed and or uprooted because two family members 
could not resolve their differences in a godly manner. May it not be so in our families in our day. You may have an Absalom. You may have somebody who's got a a nice big knife and trying to stab it in your back. You cannot control their attitude, their actions. They stand accountable to the Lord. But you stand accountable to the Lord for how you respond. Back to Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I know that this particular topic has stirred the pot and has stirred up some people on the other end of my voice here. And if you've got questions for me, concerns, whatever it is, you can zip me an email at encouragingothersandlovingjesus@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can drop a topic, some sort of discussion in our Facebook group, Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. Reach out if you've got any questions or concerns. If not, take take it directly to the Lord. And if you or someone you love is in one of those family feuds, pray for a godly resolution and be willing to be that person of peace. Be willing to take the high road And do what God is calling you to do. May there not be a list of victims of your family feud. But may there be a list of souls awaiting your arrival in heaven. Because of the godly life that you have lived. Let's switch. Let's live lives that do not leave victims in our wake. But encourage others to be victors in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Dear Father, you got me a little riled up on this topic. And I thank you for it. Dear Father, every time I read this passage, it just gets me so upset. And yet I see it every day, working in the midst of families and dealing with family interactions. And so many times the death of a loved one can really bring out the worst in some people. Dear Father, I pray that those who follow you. They claim your name. I pray that you would convict. I pray that if there are any relationships that they are not handling in a godly manner, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to do whatever is needed in order to live at peace from their perspective. May we each be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as you, through Christ, have forgiven us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, this is 
podcast is free for you to share. So share it with those who you, you feel like might need that encouragement. You can subscribe on the different podcast platforms. If you would like to be able to hear all 213 episodes now, which still blows my mind, you can go to my Podbean site. The link is down at the bottom of the show notes. Um, The resources are down in the show notes, our Twitter, our Instagram, even our YouTube channel, which I haven't been messing with that much lately. Uh, But we do have my Bible study on the book of Joshua. It is in that YouTube channel area. And I've got to start working on that again. So it's kind of encouraging, encouraging for me to uh, be reminded that I got to get back in there and start recording. But, you know, we do what we can. And uh, I just want to change the world. I don't know how long I have on this earth. I'm not even guaranteed my next breath. But I want to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of him, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that I may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to him for he has given me the ability to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. May you live that way also. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>